0: That, without further ado, our astute uh, Harvard law graduate, with with that uh, was better than than Barack Obama because he got his GPA was higher, I think, right? Yeah. Anyway, without further ado, Rabbi Gordon, thank you. So
1: here's 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 a good place to start. So I had the privilege and the distinct honor of speaking to probably about 6000 people aboard one of the biggest ships in the world the royal caribbean's allure of the sea we dock get on a plane plane arrives at 11:30 on sunday evening driver picks us up as we leave lax it was very, very clear that we had arrived in a city of mourning. Every single one of the pylons at LAX was straight in the color of the Lakers. Every second or third intersection were huge, huge barriers, banners that, that read Kobe Bryant RIP. I thought about this a lot because my job, my professional job, is representing professional athletes and a number of celebrities. So we represent many people that know Kobe very well, that play for the Lakers, and other another teams. So there's an interesting observation within, literally within hours of this tragedy, is if you scan any of the media, you'll note that nothing no part of the media that talks about the outstanding three pointers, the multiple gold medals, the MVP. They talk about certain life lessons that we can learn from Kobe Bryant. So I thought, and one of the guidelines of being a good public speaker is to make sure that you keep things very contemporary of what's going on in the world. So as I understood it, that every single one of you has been through the LA, the, uh, the, the journey has been to, uh, to Israel, and if I was in your seat right now, I think the best sort of tools that I would want is to try and extrapolate from one of the greatest athletes of all time and what I'm going to share with you has got absolutely nothing to do with his athletic prowess. I've taken four principles from Kobe Bryant, I drill down, and the reason why these four principles or these four quotes are cited more often in any of the media is because every single one of these core citations is based on Torah. One of the talks that I gave on the, the, the ship that we, we were just on was the fact that Steve Covey's seven principles are all based on Torah. Ironically, as I culled through all the media, I I counted really the the most oft-cited quotes of Kobe, and there's no way that anything could resonate and hit the soul of so many people, transcend every single culture, and have this type of longevity unless it's based on Torah. So let's go on a journey, my friends, and let's learn four lessons. that we can about life from an icon who is far from perfect. Lesson number one, nothing in this world, nothing can be achieved in life that's worthwhile without hard work and without pain. Here's the quote that appeared on ESPN more than any other quote, Kobe Bryant. Quote, I never looked at basketball as work. I didn't realize it was work until my first year in the NBA. When I came around, I was surrounded by other professionals, and I thought basketball was going to be everything to them, and it wasn't. And I was like, this is different. I thought everybody was so obsessive about the game like me. It was like, no, it's all about hard work. If you look at all of the media, one of the themes that comes across in the legacy of Kobe Bryant is the most uncanny work ethic. He understood that greatness, achieving your life goals, attaining your dreams, cannot happen without pain and without huge dedication. One of the questions i asked Ms. the ship, I think I might have asked to some of you guys, is if we, if we look at the word pain, And we simply ask, what is the opposite of pain? What do you think most people say? Pleasure. That's the classic answer. The classic answer in a Western audience, the opposite of pain is pleasure. So that is the way pop culture has inculcated us to believe. There's nothing further from the truth. The opposite of pain is no pain. One of the lessons that Kobe taught us and which I'd like to underscore this evening because it's fundamental to Torah and it's going to be one of the most important arrows that I'd like each and every one of you to have in your quiver is that pain is going to be the price that you're going to pay for greatness. How do we know that's true? We know that's true because the, the Talmud gives us the example of one of the, one of the most the greatest and one of the happiest moments in every single person's life in this journey called life. And I pray that each and every person in this room will experience this. And that's the birth of a child. The nine months of gestation, the, <clears throat> the, the, the hours before, and the pain, notwithstanding whatever happens in, modern, in, in terms of modern medicine, the fear. But the final result is something that you cannot possibly even fathom. How many people I've spoken to that, when they hear that first cry, there's an involuntary burst of tears. It's often the same feeling as when people are facing what seems to be cold stones called the Western Wall. They don't even know why. It's inexplicable the way they, that we cry because that's the way a Jew is wired. That's hardwired into every single one of us. That's the core of our ancestors and we know on a very intuitive spiritual level that this is the beginning of another generation but it comes with tremendous pain. Everything that we can see in the physical world we can learn a lesson from. There's a story told of a certain kind of moth called the Croatian moth. And the way the almighty created this this moth and the way this moth enters the world is it comes out of a cocoon ostensibly with tremendous struggle. And if anyone was a fly in a war and you see this embryo fighting through this cocoon, there's a natural feeling of wanting to take the cocoon and just make a little snip so that this baby moth can see light. But my friends, if you take a little scissors and you cut around the cocoon, what will happen is that this little moth will fall out of the cocoon and drop dead. Because the way the Omari created the Croatian moth is that in the struggle of trying to fight its way out of the cocoon, It allows poisons which are inside its own wings to be released. There is a certain muscle that is developed almost instantaneously and allows this little insect to begin its life. We represent, without question, some of the most famous people on the earth. If I had to ask you guys, what industry is an industry which unfortunately, is full with more horrific suicides than any other vocation, any other discipline, any other industry in the world. It's interesting. I get, I, get I get that a lot. I get that a lot. It's interesting, and I double check that. because The worst thing you can do as a speaker is to say something that's wrong. You. you lose your credibility. You're done. You never get invited back. It's all over.
0: Is it air traffic controller? So, entertainment.
1: Oh, very, good. Yeah. very good. Very good. It's not only is yeah. it entertainment, but if you drill down in terms of the entertainment industry, what period of the year do we see a, <laughs> on a bell shaped curve, a ridiculous spiking of Rahman style of suicides in the entertainment industry? after New Year's.
0: Very good. Year's.
1: Very good. Year's. And not Rosh Hashanah, we're talking, right? You see it December 25th, and as you turn the corner into the New Year, why
0: is that? Stress and pressure uh, up.
1: The high is over. So we're going to discuss tonight, people on the front cover of People magazine, people <laughs> have got their hands in, in dry cement all over Hollywood, people have got hundreds of millions of dollars. I want to only correct one little thing that my dear friend Alexander said, and that is if I did go to Harvard Law School, and I did, but I practiced law for a period of time and I've left the practice of law. I want to share with you, because we know each other now, we spoke... So I'll give you a little bit more personal. I'm often asked, what was the catalyst to me leaving the practice of law? So the story I'm going to tell you, and clearly the corollary of what we're talking about, about anything that's worthwhile is going to come with pain, is one of the major reasons that was the beginning of my journey outside to leave the practice of law. Graduated in 1990, first job, Jeff Mangles, Butler Monroe, fancy, beautiful office. Within two, three months, I get handed a Manila folder, which looks something like this. I turned around the Partner Academy Manila folder, I turned around and it says the back Janet Jackson. So that's my first client. I didn't have a clue what was flying. I'm in my early twenties. It's a copyright case and I had to evaluate whether as soon, <laughs> Janet wants to do an African American version of a star he's born. So I had to do the research to see if it was in the public domain or if Warner Brothers still owns the copyright. As a result of this, I found myself on phone calls with John Branker. John represented Janet's brother who you may or may not have heard of, Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so I became friendly with John. A few months later, John said, Anthony, we're having this big barbecue at my house on Sunday. Why don't you come hang with us? This was a seminal moment in my life. So driving to John Breaker's re- re- man- palace, there was everyone that you can imagine in the music world. Okay? Every big name that you can possibly imagine in the 90s. Prince, Jack, everyone you can imagine. I left Frank's house that day. I was at a visceral pit in my son, I was sick to my, to my gut. I have never in my life met so many dysfunctional, unhappy, confused, screwed up people in my life. And this is the zenith of the pyramid. This is when people do anything for. And, this, and I realized I ain't signing up for this. So clearly, the, the quick fix, the shortcut is, not going to work, is, is certainly not going to be the journey to success. Kobe taught us that. Kobe taught us at 4.30 in the morning, he was already doing his stretches. At 4, 4.45, he was dripping in sweat. He understood the idea of, of the power of working hard and there's no way in this world that you can have gain without pain. I don't know if you've ever been on a Friday night at a Shabbos table with the person being the, the Shabbos meal, if they cut the challah, they will never, or they shouldn't, they'll never hand the challah into your hand. They'll put it on the table and the person will take the challah. Why? The most painful thing that we can feel is a handout. It's called bread of shame. We pray Three times a day that we will never have to come onto another human being and, and ask them for a loan and things. That's not pain in a, in a visceral or physical sense. That's pain of dignity. That's pain in your soul. That's called bread of shame. That's a handout. If you look at all the research at the level of juvenile delinquents, completely dysfunctional people, there's one cohort that, that is disproportionately represented in people whose lives. Are completely wet, and that is the generation of the kids of billionaires. Because if you are left with a, a, a trust of hundreds of millions of dollars, everyone in this room says, "Anthony, Rabbi, you don't get it. Of course, I'd I buy this. What at, at what cost? Because you know you've done absolutely nothing to deserve it. There's nothing more shameful than walking into a ten million dollar house, and the and the only reason why you're able to do that." is because your father was born before you. The idea of of success without pain flies in the face of every way that God created us. So lesson number one we can learn from Kobe is he understood the power of of hard work. He understood and he had an unbelievable work ethic and he understood that the price that we pay for success is pain. Lesson number two we can learn from the late Kobe Bryant is that we all fail at times, but that doesn't make us a failure. I think I told some of you the story of a cartoonist who was so poor, he had exhausted every single possible newspaper looking for a gig. And eventually, all he could do was to go to his, the priest who led the church services, and he said, I've got nothing. I'm a financially indigent. I've tried everything, Father. And the priest said, All I can do is I can give you some accommodation. the back of the church, there was a farm barn. And the cartoonist took took his uh, few belongings and went to sleep on a, a bale of straw. And the story, which you can corroborate, is this cartoonist, within a few nights, noticed a little mouse coming out of the corner of that farm. That little mouse, my friends, is Mickey Mouse, and the cartoonist is Walter Smith. And you might know somebody who was four years of age when he was told he couldn't read at the age of four. At the age of seven, he was told he's dyslexic. He was expelled from elementary school at the age of 12 and was told you will never amount to anything. You are a borderline retard. Today, my friends, you might know him as Albert Einstein. Mm -hmm. And perhaps you know of a woman who grew up in the South who was a victim of both physical and emotional Mm -hmm. molestation who dreamed of being on television and was told after her first audition, quote-unquote, get off the stage. You have absolutely zero, zero talent. And my friends, you may know her today as Oprah Winfrey. If you look at, on Friday night, the blessings that a father will bestow on his sons and daughters respectively is he repeats that you should be like Ephraim or Menashe, in the case of a male, and in the case of woman, that you should be like the matriarchs. Did the matriarchs have such an easy life? They had a horrific life. Sarah Emenu, the, 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 the matriarch of our religion, she was born <coughs> unable to have children. She was <coughs> there was a competitor in a maidservant within her, within her Dalat Amas. She had a child that went way off the derech. It was, why can't we say that you should be like Jessica, who got a Rhodes Scholarship to Oxford and then got a Fulbright Scholarship to Yale and then became a senator? Why don't we bestow on our young daughters that they should be like this fictitious Jessica? Because that's not what we hear. We hear the only way that you can possibly actualize your potential and reach the greatness that every single one of you have been put on this earth to to do is the almighty customizes specific challenges and ordeals in each and every one of your lives i've been very very blessed and i've considered an a blessing a responsibility at this point to be on the jewish public speaking service for many years i've spoken every single retreat i don't know how many i've asked maybe not hundreds thousands of people by now is there anyone and we can we can we can repeat a live example is there anyone in this room <clears throat> that has no pain there is absolutely nothing that's bothering them right now. That doesn't answer the question at some point, why me? Is that at some point that there's a, that, that there's a, a, a nervous feeling of what's going to be? If your life, my friends, is smooth sailing, to use the analogy of an EKG, you're dead. God didn't create a world. The only people that have no problems, the only people that have nothing to worry about, are people in the cemetery. Because that's not the world that God created. Every single one of the ordeals that each and every one of you have had, and I know now, having been out and spoken to many people and tracking their lives many years later, you get a sense of the customized ordeals and tests that the Almighty has given each and every one of us. And sometimes you're forced to dig deep and to actualize and to flex muscles that you didn't even think you had. And that, my friends, is one of the things of the greatness that we see, that we saw, of the native Kobe Bryant. He was told when he ripped his Achilles tendon that it's over. Kobe, it's done, you're over. Against all odds, he came back. He understood that a person who has a misstep, a person who fails, is not a failure. One of the things that the Chazal teach us is there's an amazing thing you can learn from a baby. When a baby. When a baby crawls, tries to walk and falls, what does the baby do? Does the baby pick up the phone, call their lawyer, suing, slip and fall? Does the baby get up and keep going? What's the natural disposition of a baby? Is the baby in contemplative working out how do you get baby Prozac? Or is the natural disposition of a baby is basimcha? Every baby is natural. And what happens when it poops? What, ha- what happens when it does something that's uncomfortable? It cries. That's what we're supposed to do, my friends, is when things go wrong in your life, you're supposed to cry out to your Father in heaven. And that's one of the reasons why, in my opinion, Bluetooth was invented. Because you can sit in your car and speak to God, and the person next to you doesn't think you're a nutcase. <laughs> Three times, somehow people think that davening or praying is this contrived shmona esrei, by the answer... Why is it that the, that the patriarchs of our religion were all shepherds? They were all shepherds. And besides Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, if you think of the greatest people in our religion, Dr. Moshe Rabbeini, they were in the field. He his poignant name was speaking to God. How can you possibly have a relationship with your father in heaven without speaking to him? And there's some erroneous notion that I want to dispel. If there's no other reason why you came tonight, this is it. Speak to God about everything. Not just the big things. I don't know where people get the notion. I can only ask God that, please God, I should marry the right person. Ask Him for the right parking. (laughs) Ask Him. That's the relationship. You can't have a relationship with someone who you scare. We have this notion that God is this old wise man at the end of a cloud ready to get us. Wrong religion, my friends. That's not Judaism. Judaism tells you that the Almighty loves you. And you'll only appreciate this, God willing, when you all become parents. He loves you more than you'll love your own children. It's very hard for us to put our heads around that. It's an unbelievable thing to fathom. Another thing we learned from Kobe Bryant. He was an amazing father. I saw an interview before I came here. I asked how did he start going on helicopters? What, the, reason, the reason why he went on helicopters is to spend an extra 12 minutes with these kids. Because the driving to LA, besides the toll it was paying on his body as a professional athlete, he wanted to, and he did, for almost all of his life, he took his kids to and from school. He understood the, the, the notion of the, what a kid sees in the parent, and that's a pedagogical lesson for us in terms of our ultimate parents. Speak to God. Speak to God, and speak to God like a friend. This is, we were one of the only religions in the world which speaks to God in the third person. You because it's supposed to be an intimate relationship. He adores you. He loves you. Not only does he know about your pain, he's the cause of your pain. So the, the second lesson we've learned from Kobe is the idea that we all fail. We all have pain. We all make missteps. But going through certain things and having failure doesn't make you a failed person. And if you think, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Lesson number three. I've been to possibly every time management course on planet Earth. It's Tony Robbins, Steve Covey. One of the most unbelievable things, and I think the, the closest, the closest is Steve Covey. In his book, First Things First, he talks about this concept, which Kobe Bryant was a master of, and it's a Torah concept. We're in this world, my friends, to schedule your priorities, not to prioritize your schedule. Let me say that again. Let me back up a second. 1956, one of the, one of the most famous business, business schools in Paris. Professor walks in, he puts on the table a, a big jar with some large rocks, smaller rocks, pebbles, and sand, and, and a bunch of water. And the challenge for the class is if you can put all of these items into the jar without displacing any of the water. People tried at different angles, Ruby cubes. What he simply did was he put the big rocks in first, and then the smaller pebbles, and then the sand, and then the water. And that's a powerful life lesson. Put the big rocks in first. I, my heart goes out to you guys, and I'll tell you why. The millennial generation has done unbelievable things for this world. What you guys have done is incredible, but it's the loneliest generation. I speak on campus a lot, a lot. I've been on campus with I went back to Harvard to debate the head of reform. Here's what I've picked up. I've been back on campus with Ben Shapiro many times. It's hostile. It's a lonely place. The the first ad that Sachi and Sachi developed for Apple, and I think it's very profound, is a faceless person dancing alone. I gave a talk on the ship about the power of social media. The notion that what is a true friend from a Torah perspective is a person that you give to. A person that you're so sacrosanct that can I use, prepared to pay for. What's a friend in social media? It's some, it's some fictitious person that's giving you an external sense of a little thumbs up. That your whole sense of self-worth is now dependent on somebody else. Thumbs up. Or It's a very scary, scary generation to grow up in. Schedule priorities, not priority is the big rocks are your family, your friends, at the, and, and you will realize as life goes on, your concentric circle will get smaller and smaller. Life's not a popularity contest. We're here to make a difference, to refine our character, to be the greatest people that we can, but the idea of having more likes, the idea that there's somebody running around who's had 27 plastic surgeries and got millions of people watching, is insane. It's it's absolutely insane. So how do you put the big rocks in first? There's two parts of the human psyche. There's the body and the neshama. What does the body say? Feel. What does the soul say? Want. That's the language of the soul and the body. You want to be great in Torah? At four o'clock in the morning, when uh, when the alarm goes off, do you feel like waking up? You want to hit that snooze button so unbelievably quickly. What do you want? You want greatness? You have got to fight the natural human heaviness. Great people follow what they want, not what they feel like. Another unbelievable lesson that we learned from Kobe Bryant. He's one of the the, the, the notion of it's irrelevant how I feel, is what I want. So he ensured to be understood <clears throat> that there's a that the part of the psyche that should be your GPS is your soul, and that's what you want in this world. Let's look at principle number four. And that's one of the, one of the reasons why you should, every single one of you sitting in this room should have an unbelievable sense of gratitude and an internal sense of happiness that you cannot possibly fathom. Most people in life ascend up the ladder and they realize when it's too late that it's leaning against the wrong wall. There's, there are 7.4 billion people on, on this planet called Earth. Zero point oh two percent of the population are part of the Jewish nation. That's 14.7 million people. Out of those 14.7 million, at best, 11 or 12% understand the concept of we have instructions for living. That this thing called the Torah is not fairy tales about some guy who bought an ark. About, it's the instructions for living. It's the most profound, insightful GPS because we all know the very final destination. But that book helps you recalculate. The people that have been in this room... That have been through the steps of LAJ, that have been to Israel, understand something that most <laughs> Jews don't understand. Whatever level you guys land up, the fact that you're sitting here tonight, according to the Talmud in Sanhedrin, you were handpicked by the Almighty. Nothing happens. There, there, isn't, there isn't a word in Loshna Kodesh, in, in, in ancient real Hebrew, there's no word for coincidence because it doesn't exist. I spoke on the boat about there's no word for retirement. The Jewish Jews don't retire. There's no word for fun, there's a word for simcha, for happiness, but there's no word for coincidence. The fact that you're sitting here now listening to an unbelievable speech and are 10 minutes away from a standing ovation is because (laughs) God, for whatever reason, is guiding you. And there's no doubt that every single person here is a diamond in the rough, and it's rough out there. Trust me, I'm out there a lot. It's getting harder, it's hostile, it's hostile in terms of Israel. You can imagine what it's like now on campus for people like myself, where, where you're surrounded by people that are asking you things just to try and embarrass you. They're asking you things just to rip you apart. And it takes intestinal fortitude and a lot of training. And it's a very, very and the fact that you landed up here is not by chance. So if I stand here and they'll ask me to keep as much time at the end for some thoughts and questions. Think about these four principles that we learned from Kobe Bryant. And if we want to really summarize this into perhaps ten, ten principles, it would sound something like this. Ten lessons that we can learn from Kobe, which are all based on Torah, would sound something like this. Lesson number one, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. Lesson number two, the secret to having it all is a believing that you already do. Lesson number three a negative mind never gives you a positive life. Lesson number four if plan A fails, there are 25 more letters. Lesson number five nothing goes away until it teaches what we need to know. Lesson number six, and this is what I hear all the time Rabbi, you don't understand it's too late for me I'm 50th when's the best time to plant an oak tree? probably about 20 years ago when's the second best time to plant an oak tree? right now start where you are use what you have and do what you can lesson number 7 if it's important to you you'll find a way and if not you'll find an excuse lesson number 8 Putting off dreams is like giving up on them because someday never arrives. Lesson number nine, the sign of a beautiful person is that she she sees beauty in others. And the last lesson is if you focus on results, you will never change. And if you focus on change, you will get results. I want to definitely open up to questions, but one thing I can tell you is that... Are we in control of what happens to us in this world? Yeah, man. Yeah. Are we in control? Do we choose our parents? Do you choose the color of your eyes? Do you choose your IQ? There's very, very little, little. People don't understand there's very little that you do have control over. But you have a control over one thing which Kobe Bryant personified and which I'd like to illustrate to you this evening. I want to get two volunteers. We've sent two volunteers. What's your name? Mike. Hebrew name. Uh, Michael. Michael, what's your human name? Avi. Avram. Okay, I'd like you to stand there. What's the streaming video? 2.7 billion people live throughout the world. You see that? What I'd like you to do is look at the screen, take this beautiful poem, look straight into the lens, and in your best possible projection, I'd like you to simply read that poem.
0: Oh boy. Uh, Welcome to TED Talks, ladies and gentlemen. Today was the absolute worst day ever. I don't try to convince me that there's something good in every day. Because when you take a closer look, this world is a pretty evil place. Even if some goodness does shine through once in a while, satisfaction and happiness doesn't last. And it's not true that it's all in the mind and the heart because true happiness can be attained only if one's surroundings are good. It's not true that good exists, and I'm sure you can agree, the reality creates my attitude. It's all beyond my control, and you'll never in a million years hear me say that today was a very good
1: day. i Okay. Spe- uh, second speaker, I'd like you to look into the streaming, the streaming video live. Throughout the world, the exact same, the exact same poem. I'd like you to read, but I'd like you to read it from the bottom up. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: same poem. So, nothing. Today was
0: a okay, Today was a very good day, uh, and you'll never in a million years hear me say that. It's all about. It's all beyond my control. My attitude creates the reality. I'm sure you can agree with that. You did great. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's not true that uh, good exists only if one's surroundings are good. True happiness can be attained because it's all in the mind and the heart. And it's all not true that Oh And it's all not true that satisfaction and happiness don't last.: oh, It's all not true that satisfaction and happiness don't last. Uh, while some goodness does shine through once in a while. Even oh, if the world, okay. Even if the, even if the world is a pretty evil place, because when you take a closer look, there's something good in every day. And don't try to convince me that today was the absolute worst day ever. Give me a hand, guys.
1: <clears throat> exactly, Cole. What do we have control over? you've got got control of your attitude because if you change the way you look at things the things you look at change so if you have to this down into two cardinal sentences which kobe espoused and which are clear clear principles of torah that would be as follows number one ladies and gentlemen stop looking for the light and become the light and number two is set goals that are so big that you can't achieve them until you grow into the person that you're supposed to be. Thank you very much. I'll take <laughs> any <in your> questions. <laughs> Thoughts, Questions. Eggs. Tomatoes. Okay. The, uh, it's an open forum. Yes, sir. Hey, before you leave, can I take a picture of those ten principles that you have written down? Yes, oh wait. If yes. you want these ten principles, just give me your email. Or you can go onto www.rebbe. It's a lot of different ways. All over the internet. I got it on video. I'm gonna take that video. Sorry. I'll give all of this stuff go on to www.rabbachanangordon.com there's all that stuff it's on uh, YouTube it's on Tori. it's all that but I'll, if you want just give me an email and I'll, get, I'll have someone send it to you go oh, yes sir you mentioned
0: all